What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Dr. Diamond Tug. Dribble D. And with me tonight is my co-host, Mr. Miggity Matt. And that is me. It is. Quick reminder, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook page at Adventures in Videoland. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language, Mm. but mm, that's not really our style. Mm -mm. So we'll try to keep this rated, say, PG-13. Mild profanity and... uh, Only one fake orgasm. Uh, Yeah, one fake orgasm. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined pause the episode watch the movie come back later with that said tonight we'll be talking about season seven pantheon nomination number five when harry met sally yesterday nominated by april mcboom with a guest voter you yours truly dr diamond doug before we get to any of that let's chat about pantheon mr Miggity Mac, what is Pantheon? Well, Pantheon movies, they hit on all cylinders. Acting, directing, script, score, cinematography, special effects, essential viewing, and that special X The je ne sais quoi. I have no idea what you're saying when you're talking about that. Stand up. Best of its genre. I love it. They are the best of its genre. There are nine members on the AV Council, and every three weeks, a council member will nominate a movie... And everyone else on the council votes yes or no and has a write-up, 500-word write-up, of their reasons. In addition, there's a guest voter, that's you this time, mm-hmm. and the Facebook poll. All of the hoi polloi all out here, all of us out here in the AV world, we also get to vote, and that poll counts as one. Total of 11 votes. Each movie needs a two-thirds majority. Seven votes to get in. So, previous Pantheon votes this season, we have had four movies we've looked at. Mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The 8 of 11. It is Pantheon. Perks of Being a Wallflower. Just missed it. 6 of 11. Point Break. Not even close. 3, Three of 11. 11. And Muppets Treasure Island. Only two of uh, two. It only got two. <clears throat> It is, yeah, it didn't make it in. So, uh, before we get into this movie, a little bit of foreplay right here. Yes. Uh, so, uh, for you, yes, watching movies, uh, movie romance moments, film mm. or personal, favorite mm. favorite romance movies related to, related Me to the Me personally. Either in the film or you personally with the film. In my life. Sure. First romantic comedy that I saw with my wife, then girlfriend, was Spring Break. Most people wouldn't think of that as romantic comedy, but it was the core part of that story was a young man who found the love of his life and then lost her, had to go find her. It is an 80s schlock beach party movie. My girlfriend's, at the time, parents took us to see it, not knowing how much Breastuses were in that particular movie. It was partially uncomfortable, but it is it, it, it holds a special place it's in my part heart. of your history. Also, Tootsie. Yeah. Same weekend, we saw Tootsie. Yeah. And if you've seen Tootsie, you know that is an amazing, very touching romantic comedy. Uh, Dustin Hoffman plays a cross-dressing actor uh, who cross-dresses because he couldn't get parts as a man. Sure. And that one is right in there. So, uh, two movie moments for me. One, the man without a face starting, Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because, I don't remember anything about the movie, but that was the first movie that my wife and I, uh, then girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, actually, not even girlfriend. Just college date? First date. First Co- date. College date. College date. Yeah. Uh, with my to-be wife that we went to the Bremen Theaters in Tinley Park. Uh, that's a uh, second run movie theater where you pay a dollar a dollar fifty yeah. for a movie and this was showing and we it was like at the time we showed up what movies you're playing this movie so we sat down we watched that that was our first movie full disclosure that you took your wife to a dollar theater for a movie doesn't surprise me it also was, doesn't make me love you any less I was in college but yeah. I'd still do it today because <laughs> I'm cheap and then um <laughs> Second, this uh, this will be an odd one, but a second uh, movie experience that's related to romance and movies, Sorority Boys. Okay. Not 
really what you would consider a traditional romantic comedy at all. I'm sorry, I talked (laughs) about Spring Break, an 80s booby movie. But this is a movie that features dildos and and crotch humor and and the like. Yeah. And it is base and it is stupid. Right. And I, I got it for me, but my wife decided that she wanted to watch it with me, who is now my wife. Yes. And I was like, this is gonna be a train wreck. This is not going to work. And she loved the crap out of that movie. <laughs> and I learned something new about my my wife, and I, I I now had a deeper appreciation, which shouldn't surprise me. She's married to me for she crying out you. loud. I'm a I'm a, I'm a she knucklehead. Knows who you are. Yeah. So, just more recent, uh, when the wedding singer came out, uh, we got it on DVD as quickly as we could, and uh, we my family and I watched that just hundreds and hundreds of times. But the scene. Where he's singing to her in the airplane mm-hmm. will always stand in my heart as one of the top, I'd say, five romantic movie moments. That, that that's mine personally. This is subjective. Everybody's yeah. gonna have their own. And I know it's a it's a it's a comedy and it's it's you know Adam Sandler and all that. But that scene was done very well for me. So um, favorite romantic movie, romantic comedy. Do you have one off the top of your head? Of all time, I'd say it's probably still Tootsie. Tootsie. Um, it would be hard for me to choose, but I might even go back to, like, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, there you go. Non-traditional Yeah, but it's uh, also movie, something you see on a regular basis. Yeah, it's, a rom- it's romantic. It's got comedic moments, but you, you wouldn't call it a rom-com, what we say Not today. Not by modern but, terms, because they but, didn't uh, make those back then. But it, but it's a, it's, it, you know, it, it's a touching one. Yeah. So, all right. When Harry Met Sally, let's run through a synopsis. It's rated R, genre romance, comedy, rom-com, as they call it. Director Rob Reiner of This Is Spinal Tap, Meathead, Fame and All in the Family, The Princess Bride, Misery, A Few Good Men are some other movies that he made. Mm -hmm. Screenplay by Nora Ephron, Sleepless in Seattle, and You've Got Mail. One of those has Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in it. And the other one also has Tom Tom Hanks Hanks and Meg Ryan. Ryan. Produced by Rob Reiner and Andrew Scheinman. Music by Mark Scheinman and Harry Connick Jr., the crooner. Cinematography by Barry Sonnefeld. Also did Men in Black, by the way. Edited by Robert Layton. In theaters July 14, 1989. In the United States, runtime of a svelte 96 minutes. Back when movies were an hour and a half and you liked it. Short-ass movie. (laughs) Studio, Castle Rock Entertainment, Nelson Entertainment. Thank you, Stephen King. Distributed by Columbia Pictures. Starring the big four stars here, Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Carrie Fisher, and Bruno Kirby, which he would go on to star in City Slickers with uh, Billy Crystal as well. Mm, IMDb synopsis, Harry and Sally have known each other for years and we are very and and we're and are very good friends, but they fear sex would ruin the friendship. And then it doesn't. Go, that's for IMDb. It doesn't go on to say, and it follows their the progression of their relationship, uh, where yeah. sex does essentially ruin their friendship. <laughs> yeah, and it then does. and then they figure and it out. And then so ratings. Tell me about some ratings yeah. from different sites. IMDb rates it seven point seven out of ten. Metacritic gives it a 76 on 17 reviews with a user user score of 8.6. Rotten Tomatoes, it's 91% with 89% audience score. It's fresh. Fresh. Uh, Google, 87% liked it. So, some Rotten Tomato reviews, uh, a high and a low. Staff reporter from The Hollywood Reporter gives it a fresh saying when Harry Met Sally is a beautiful, brainy, touching, and wilting romantic comedy that should touch the heartstrings of lovers and those yearning to be in love everywhere. Well, on the lower end, uh, Jonathan (coughs) Rosenbaum from the Chicago Reader rates it as rotten. Fans of Billy Crystal's amphibian qualities may be amused, but the rest of us have to contend with the slavish Woody Allen imitations. Over the Metacritic, the high end, Sheila Benson, LA Times, 100 is what Metacritic rates this uh, her review as. And a snid bit from hers is the summer's uncorseted, unqualified delight. Karen James, Karen with a C, from the New York Times. And a Y. And a Y, I apologize, There's a lot going Karen. on in that Karen name. Uh, from the New York Times, her review is rated at 50. Mm-hmm. Like the sitcom version of a Woody Allen film, full of amusing lines and scenes, all infused with an uncomfortable sense of deja vu. 
So I'm getting a sense from the critics that the ones who don't like it are comparing it to Woody Allen because they liked Woody Allen films, and this or is not a Woody Allen. They film. saw You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle before they saw When Harry Met Sally, and now they're wondering why they made another movie just like the other two. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> why did they remake this movie three times with three different plot devices? Well, that's all of the rom coms, right? Yeah. Uh, so from the Metacritic Hoy Polloi reviews. An 8.6 is 150 positive, 13 mix, one negative. Uh, I gave, I got th- two, uh, no, don't look on the next page there. Don't I, look on the I, next page. I, I, I don't look on the next page. I cheated. You got to save that. You got to save right, it right, for, right, our, right. for our listeners. So on the top end, CJM gives this a 10. Love this movie. It's a great dissection of what men and women are. Uh, the way are the why the why men and women are the way they are. It's got a clever screenplay by Nora Ephron and a great direction by Rob Reiner. Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal was a fantastic pairing. S J S Z J X. It's pronounced Zizix. Zizix. Gave it a six. <laughs> a pretty shallow piece filled with conservative ideals. Hmm. The critics' ratings and the IMDb ratings are just, and I'm not sure why the user rating here is so high. They didn't say it was terrible. A six isn't terrible. They're just saying it was middle of the road. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. With conservative ideals. Look, it's a movie made in the 80s, so the ideals were going to be contemporary with the year it was made in. Is that because Meg Ryan didn't think that people should be having lots of sex? Or, yeah, I'm not not totally following. Because Billy Crystal... He was a man whore. Uh, man whore. Yeah, he was sleeping around. He was right. sleeping around New York. So I don't. I, I'm just trying to figure and out. Meg Ryan clearly was actually having her character was having sex because she was talking about how many times women generally fake orgasms, and she even gave a demonstration of said, which event. is not really a conservative ideal no. to demonstrate an orgasm in a diner. Hmm. Nor uh, the movie did not touch on any other like notions of politics or anything it left all of that off the table uh, uh, like that was not that was in an ellipsis off the table yeah, so i don't know it's just, who else do we have well since you, you you peaked on the next page you know it and i know it but our listeners don't know Wait. who showed up again who showed up oh you i'm glad you asked it's Spangle! Oh, Spangle Spangle. Oh, Spangle, Spangle, we've been missing you. And uh, from the Metacritic user reviews, I'm glad to see you back again. You've been a little sporadic. Spangle gave it a nine. He gave Ooh. it, honestly, a very long, lengthy write up. Like on a 500 it. word oh, it was, uh, Pantheon it Council was write up. A whole write up. Uh, but this is just the final line where he says, Classics always have a lot to live up to, but when Harry Met Sally exceeds all expectations with impeccable comedy, comedic frequency writing, and romance. You know what might be interesting? To go back and do a quick little <clears throat> dig and see if movies that made it into AV, Pantheon, were also Spangle approved. Yeah, I'd have to. You know what? Uh, I can tell you right off the hand. It's not right right off the bat here. It's not because we did um, uh, uh, Spike Lee's uh, do, the right, do the right thing. He did not like it. He didn't like it. He didn't all like right. it. And I know he's not he's not on all. But of the most of the time, like Spangles, like Spangles, pretty up on it's it. Pretty up with it. So uh, and yeah. I and I know our viewers are very excited to hear about Spangle. Well, I mean, when it comes back, it's kind of a thing. Our yeah. loyal yeah. viewers, both of them, <laughs> yeah, listeners. Both of them know when it, when Spangle's going to be around. Absolutely. The energy Absolutely. in the podcast is just electric. It's oh, oh I, you can I am, feel it. I'm tingling. You can feel it, top to bottom. They right are now. too. All right, let's go over to our AV page uh, on Facebook and All see right. what our video landers have said. Grab one. What, Steve Spikerman said yes, but I need to rewatch it. It's been a while since I watched it. Hope right. hope you hope you rewatched it, Steve. It's well worth a watch. Well worth it. We rewatched it ourselves, and we uh, we, we we enjoyed ourselves. Joshua McLaughlin. Oh, what does Joshua say? Heck to the yes. I'll send a write-up as soon as I can. That sounds exactly the way Joshua said. You were doing a good Joshua imitation there. That's, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I know. Uh, or a pirate. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know! <laughs> Scott, Scott Herliska says, yes, 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 oh, yes. I get, I get what he's doing there. I'll have what you're having. I get it. 
Josh Morris said, Gonna sit this one out. Romantic comedies were never my thing, and I have no desire to watch it. Sorry, gang. Let me know if it flops, and we'll toss it on Trash Island. Josh is more of a pirate movie. Yeah, you know what? Romance is not for everyone. No, no, no. Moving on. Moises Maldonado. Hate that movie, actually. Hey, Josh... Strong meet words. Moises. Moises. Meet Josh. meet Josh. George West says, I think this might be the only nomination so far this season that actually deserves inclusion. Giselle Butler. I didn't hate it or anything, but I don't think it was one I'd call one of my faves. I watched it once and I was like, done with it. If he asked if Sleepless in Seattle was Pantheon, I might have leaned more yes with that one. One stayed with me more. Not sure why I'm not a huge fan of when here met Sally. It was just okay to me. Shruggy emoji. Shruggy emoji. I'm going with no on this one. Sorry. That was my it was spot on Giselle. I right think there. so. I, I, I think so. Jean, I've never spoken. Jean-Paul Vital. Oh, Jean-Paul Vital. Definitely. It's definitely the best romantic comedy. Zut, I have missed one. Sacre I apologize, Jean-Paul, for getting your accent wrong. Yes, and John Shippy. Took me a while to decide on this, but this will be the first. Yes, for me, this season. Get it, get it, get it. Cool, cool, cool. Overkill. No, it's good. No, it's like underkill. It. Right, just amount, right, the right amount of kill. Just the right. It was just the, the right kills. amount of kill. All the kills. Receipts. So you know, before we jump into receipts. Oh no, let's jump straight into receipts. All right, and we'll 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 uh, we'll, we'll circle back around. I want to know. Yeah, you did it last time, but I will hold I know. it. Just <laughs> hold it. Okay, okay. I'll cross my legs. Receipts. So. Receipts! <laughs> when Harry Met Sally was released in June 21st, 1989. Again, 95 minutes by Rob Reiner. Production budget was $16 million mm-hmm. with a domestic gross of 93.1. Mm-hmm. Worldwide, 93.3. Oh, an extra point two made million. A, made a couple hundred thousand <laughs> bucks in Europe. Average ticket price in 1989 was $3.99 for a patented, trademark, copyrighted, reserved calculation of our own invention uh called the butts in seats index where we divide the average ticket price into the domestic gross we get 23.3 million butts in seats for when harry met sally when you compare that to the as everybody knows the fight club standard oh yeah of 7.173 uh, 7.3 7.3 this is like triple just just just, uh, just just north of three fight clubs three fight clubs yeah that's amazing <clears throat> sleepless in seattle another nora efron film right mm-hmm. june 25 1993 105 minutes Added a few minutes this time. Just Production ten, ten extra minutes before budget time twenty-one million dollars, and it made back a hundred and twenty-six point eight million, mm. over a hundred million dollars domestically worldwide. This one did even better with two hundred twenty-seven point nine million, another hundred million That's, around. Again, the Tom Hanks uh, the effect, oh, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Average ticket price of $4.14 in 1993 gives this one a whopping BSI of 30.6 million butts in seats. Well, it did well. It did well. So, uh, another Rod Reiner movie. Yeah. Not everybody knows this is a Rod Reiner movie. Uh, Stand By Me. Also a Stephen King story. A Stephen uh, story. King reference, yeah. Uh, a reference uh, to the, uh, from the story The Body by mm-hmm. Stephen King. A little little short story. Came out August 22nd, 1986. 89 minutes. Uh, production budget was at 8 million bucks. It uh, Domestic gross was 52.3 million worldwide. Didn't, didn't really get distributed worldwide, so 52.3. Its butts and seats index with an average ticket price of $3.71 was 14.1 million. So, too fun. None too shabby. Not bad. None too shabby. The Wedding Singer, okay. a favorite of yours. One of my favorites. February 13, 1998. Did you go on Valentine's Day, 1998? Did I you see that? did. I might have. I was wondering. 97 minutes, just a, uh, about the same length as When Harry Met Sally by Frank Karachi. Here mm-hmm. comes the boom. 
Zookeeper, Blended, The Water Boy. He does a lot of Adam Sandler he and uh, Kevin James yeah. type stuff. Production budget of $18 million, domestic gross of $80.2 million, so it made some money worldwide. $123.3 million. With an average ticket price in 1998, and I don't think of this movie as in the 90s, but no. it is definitely in the 90s. In the 90s, and it wasn't that far away from the era that it portrayed. That this made, uh, this had 17.1 million BSI, butts in seats. That did well. It did, did well. well. The Big Sick. You know that one? I have not seen The Big Sick. It is Sick. a very popular romantic comedy from 2017. Uh, directed by Michael Showalter. It was uh, 120 minutes. That's got uh, the guy who was in The Eternals and also he was on yes. uh, The Daily Show as a correspondent. Yes. Uh, can't think of his name. I can't think of his name, yeah. but you'll know him when you see him. Uh, but this director also did The Shrink Next Door. Kumani? And, yes, yes. Something, and yeah. uh, Grace and Frankie. Okay. It's a director that did those two, Shrink Next Door, Grace and Frankie. I love both of those shows, by the way. Uh, the Big Sick had a production budget of $5 million. Pretty small, considering when it was made. Uh, with a domestic gross of $42.9 million, worldwide $56.4, with an average ticket price of $8.97. It has a BSI of $4.78 million. Yeah. So it actually made it have a great big BSI, but considering it only cost $5 million to make it, it really did well. And outside of, say, big, huge blockbuster Marvel movies mm-hmm. and stuff, we're now in the era of, uh, of both DVD sales and streaming. Streaming. And uh, that starts affecting the movies in the, the, the late teens, uh, for sure. Right. One, thing I'll note, one thing I'll note about going down this list is, uh, let me note a couple things, because I was looking at this. One is these monies, these movies make money. That um, romantic comedy might not be your bag because, like, you like other stuff or whatever. Mm. But these movies have definitely turned a profit uh, down the list. Yes. Not only that, um, that they are also movies that did not cost tons to make because there's not a lot of special effects in them. So they can make money because they're, they're, they're... well, they don't more, have. They're less costly to, to yeah. produce. They don't have twenty million dollar budgets because they're not paying for Tom Hanks CGI explosion. Well, you know, Sleep is in Seattle. No CGI, but yeah. a lot of their money went to top name actors and so on. Uh, this actor's name is uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani, and that and he has he's been doing a lot of I amazing combined his stuff. first and last name together. And Kumani. when I hear his voice, he does a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, 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 character acting, voice acting for animation and stuff like mm-hmm. that. When I hear his voice, you know his voice. You've heard it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, oh, I can see his face. What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? I know that guy. Kamel Nanjiani. Kamel. In any case, so there's some comparisons <clears throat> for you. Uh, maybe some non-traditional comparisons, but all with a point. So, now... Now, ah, my hands together. you can go ahead and unleash your excitement upon the table. So just let it, let the, it, let the it out. Council members, when they nominate a movie, they will occasionally leave us uh, a thoughtful gift, mm-hmm. a uh, uh, something generally related to the movie. Not always, uh, but but we like to generally. refer to them as say uh, mm, a bribe. Bribes. Yeah. yeah, and in this one, there is first oh. a card labeled oh. When Doug Met Gary. When Doug Met Gary. Now, uh, When Doug Met Gary, for our listeners, that yeah. happened in August of 2007 Seven. when Doug Met Gary. I remember the when day. When Gary Met Doug, that we had both decided to try out for the improv troupe One Size Fits All here in Lafayette, Indiana. Yes, and we both uh, made it. We both made it, and then also... From that time that we had to, like, on that first time around is that we were asked to talk about ourselves and then another person had to act out what they had done. And uh, I talked about being a pastor at the time and this and that. And Gary was a Bible-thumping uh, uh, maniac who was sleeping with the organist. Which <laughs> that was the character is not true. that I portrayed. And if you ever knew any of my organists... <laughs> easy, easy cowboy. <laughs> well, they're out of my age bracket by, by um, a couple of decades. By by several presidents. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. 
Um, and but then, I, had, and I, then Mr. Gary, I lampooned your yeah, character. And, and Mr. Gary was uh, was talking about being a, a computer guy, also uh, uh, teaching Taekwondo, and I was this nerdy Taekwondo uh, computer geek uh, karate guy. And uh, I think at that moment we were like, oh yeah. No, Did we just I, become friends? Yeah. <laughs> I like the I like the cut of this man's jib, and uh, and then shortly after that, then uh, we uh, we decided to go out for coffee in October, and then like within a week, we're like, hey, let's go out and have beers every Every Sunday Sunday. for the next all the rest of our lives, which we have done now since two thousand and seven in August. Will you have my beer for the rest of our lives? So, uh, on this card it says, when Doug met Gary, and inside is... It says, more sweet memories, more happy years, wishing you the very best anniversary ever. It says, best friend anniversary. Well, you know, we're more than friends, April. It's not not so much lovers, but lovers on on a special intimate... Like... Yeah, what's that agave love? Agave love. <laughs> I think it's yeah, a I think it's agape, but oh, yeah, we'll go with agave love is if we like works. tequila. Yeah, like we're we're a we're, It says we relationships don't always work. Thankfully, Doug and Gary met and have stayed together all these years. That is something to celebrate. So here is some champagne, and we have a bottle we right do. there of uh, of Andre. Andre. And I'll have to say, this is the second time that we've gotten Andre champagne mm. because we got it. When uh, the Princess Bride was nominated. Oh, yes, that's true. So, uh, like, I'll get some champagne here. Oh, here. And then we'll pour some in pour there. Oh, yeah. ooh, bubbly. Oh, so very nice. I would like some champagne. I would like some uh, Diet I, Coke, though. But it, well, do you have... Also, Coke? I also hope you partake of my pecan pie. Pecan pie. Best wishes, and we do have a pecan pie. I right have the there. pecan pie. Oh, that is and so... And you know what's the best part about this pecan pie? What is the best part of your pecan pie? guaranteed. Oh, that is Thank you, wonderful. April. Thank you, April. And, uh, you know, I do cherish when Doug met Gary. Me too. Oh, that is wonderful. Thank you for these gifts, and thank you for celebrating our right. friendship, and thank you for nominating this movie. Uh, Mr. Miggity Mac, why don't you go ahead and read us some excerpts from April's nomination. nomination. Sure, here we go. Uh, the 2022 Pantheon season has been a season of nostalgia and passion so far. I'm choosing to nominate a film that is considered to be the number one romantic comedy of all time. It isn't The Godfather, so to speak. That honor would go to Frank Capra's 1934 film, It Happened One Night, starring Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert. All modern lists give credit to this film for being the rom-com OG, but it's when but it is when Harry, when Harry met Sally that takes the number one spot for rom-coms. Rod Reiner is a masterful director when it comes to telling the story of real people and their relationships. The idea for the film grew out of a lengthy discussions between Efren and Reiner, who began meeting in 1984 to brainstorm a project they could collaborate on. Reiner was still figuring out life as a single man following his divorce from Penny Marshall. And he brought up the idea of a film about two people navigating the way sex impacts their friendship. It isn't just the story and the way it's presented that speak to me and make it Pantheon worthy. It's the choice of locations, the authentic costumes, the soundtrack, the acting. The faking it scene is iconic. I mean, who hasn't faked it at one point? April, I'm just going to pause and say, uh, for the record, I have never faked it. Because uh, it's hard for me to fake it. <laughs> I'm just going to leave you out on a branch on that one there, my friend. Uh, I, uh, because, uh, I don't know. know why I would fake it. Why? <laughs> yeah. But no, I can't say that I never did. I but, don't know. But it does seem that it is a common experience for some. And I, you know what? I faked the motivation to uh, at some point or being interested or what because relationships are complicated they're complicated relationships are complicated complicated and long enough there are going to be moments when not everybody is in sync at the same time that is a great way to how about that on to another reason when Harry met Sally as Pantheon, the music. I am a longtime fan of Harry Connick Jr. Mm. I do believe that their son is named uh, uh, after 
iconic. Iconic. Connor. In my opinion, any soundtrack written and performed by him must be amazing, and it is for When Harry Met Sally. It it almost adds another character to the film. If you haven't heard it, do listen. It's beautiful, jazzy album that fits the moods of the characters through their life journey. If my opinion isn't enough to sway you, it is in the top 100 soundtracks of all time. I could go on for days about more reasons and happy to uh, have a personal in-depth debate if needed why Harry Met Sally is Pantheon. But I'll sum it up with this. The music, the script, the acting, the direction, the choice of shot, setting of New York, the fact that it set a precedent for future rom-coms to achieve in order to be considered a great romantic comedy 33 years later and it's still considered the number one romantic comedy speaks volumes about its ability to stand the test of time cross generations when Harry Met Sally is Pantheon. There's no faking it. Not... I'll have what she's having. A well-placed verbal jar. Jab right there. (laughs) All right, so uh, jumping on here, uniquenesses and challenges of the film. For this, uh, how do you see this as being a unique nomination, unique film? So I, I don't know that it's a unique nomination for Pantheon, but I know... That it is a unique nomination in that I don't believe there's anything in Pantheon that has either Billy Crystal or uh, uh, Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan, thank you. Uh, with these iconic characters, they made these two characters iconic, and they played them in more than one movie. I don't know if there's necessarily a romantic comedy, pure romantic comedy, in Pantheon yet. Okay, fair enough. And if there's so, not, then that then that place of the uniqueness right away. Yeah. But there's but that goes straight into the challenges. Yeah. yeah. Is this the best one of this genre? Mm-hmm. Because like, we've talked about three right off the bat. Nora Ephraim involved in all three of them with Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. Are those better? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, I'm not saying yes or no. I'm saying. You know, it's a challenge. But the question is asked. The question's hanging out. Same there. thing with Point Break. When they're like, it's a 90s yeah. action movie. Was are it the best? Are there better 90s action movies? Yeah. Are there better 90s action movies with Keanu Reeves in them? Right. So, yeah. So, uh, I actually think that Meg Ryan's character played better off of Tom Hanks in either of those other two movies than she did off of Billy Crystal. I was constantly pulled back to the age difference between them. They didn't just look different ages than each other, significantly different. They were playing two characters that were essentially the same age. Yeah, they were supposed to have like graduated at, at the, the same, same time. time. Yeah. So I realize you might graduate a few years different age wise, but they didn't even appear to be a few years different, you know, other than Billy Crystal's hair at the first part where they had it kind of brushed brushed out straight, uh, to make him, you know, look a little younger. He never looked her age. Now, again, Meg Ryan had looked for many, many, many years the same age. Yeah. And so you know, uh, there's that, and 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 I'm I'm looking at the film through the filter of me experiencing Meg Ryan's entire career to date. So I realize that my filter is going to affect some of my thoughts on this, but I do think that that is uh, a challenge. But uniqueness, if there's no romantic comedies in uh, in Pantheon, then that makes it you know mm-hmm. something that should be looked at. Yeah, it, um, it's not going to be unique on like satirical. Uh, looks on you know views on life or no. movies that have some comedy no. in them because there's you, some, you there are the other comment, comedies but when you hear Billy Crystal say his lines it almost sounds like Billy Crystal repeating Rob Reiner's phrases yeah. the way he would say it the the things he would say that would make sense because you know he helped put the screenplay together they yeah they, they that was in response together. to the people who were like who were like. Like, Billy Crystal is doing Woody Allen light. Yeah, Mm. and I was saying to you, it's like, no, it sounds like Billy Crystal is reading the lines that Rob Reiner wrote. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. he's doing Rob Reiner. Yeah. And now Rob Reiner was influenced by by Woody Harrel. Allen. Woody Allen and Woody Harrelson. (laughs) Hello. He was influenced by Woody Allen, but so was a hundred other comedians. So, you know. But also, and we were talking about this, because we watched the movie on Sunday night together, that... um, some of that is also like Woody Allen is not just Woody Allen. Woody Allen is a representation of the neurotic side of New York City, which has also Jewish influences. And that, yes, Woody Allen is a person, but he's also from the culture that yeah. he's part of. Yeah. And Billy Crystal then is playing out of that culture as yeah. well. So there's going to be some similarities there. But I've never gotten from the fact, like I've watched 
Billy Crystal and other stuff. And uh, and eventually you realize, no, he's doing Billy Crystal because he's doing Billy Crystal all the other times that he's doing right. Billy yes. Crystal. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's like watching a lot of Keanu Reeves movies where he's yeah. doing Keanu Reeves. So let me give you a little pushback on better romantic comedy. Because you had mentioned, like, is this the best romantic comedy? What would make something a better romantic comedy like what is the what is the what is the high water mark for this category or that's this a good genre? question that's a good question and i think it comes down to the portrayal of the characters for me yeah this is why i, I said earlier that i think meg ryan played better off of tom hanks characters uh in in the other two but she was also older and closer to age to him that's that's true but they, 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 her character and Tom Hanks' character seemed to play better off of each other. She was. Where in those movies you're like, oh, I get why they're they're gonna get together. Uh, yeah, in but the also other one... they were different. Yeah. And in this movie, both she and Billy Crystal both were neurotic New Yorkers, mm-hmm. and so they in a lot, had a lot of commonality in their personalities. Yeah. I'm sure that plays into the screenplay. It's one of the reasons why they irritated the heck out of each other. Yeah. I get it. But on the other hand, you know, when you see people who really make a match, they're not normally the same. You know, they normally they normally interlock as opposed to I did their identical. Any insights that struck you? I totally get why this is considered maybe not the OG OG, but the certainly modern day OG romantic comedy and why other movies, not just Nora Ephraim movies, but, but other writers. launched the 90s rom-com. certainly launched what we think of as rom-com now. You and I were watching a movie and you said, oh my gosh, there's direct parallels to Wedding Singer in this movie. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I had never thought of it before, but you're right. You're totally right. And, and and not just the wedding singer. It's like the moment when somebody pointed out to me that Seven Samurai was the foundational movie for you know fill in the blank. Right, you can just knock them right off the list. Everything from ants to a reservoir dogs. Well, you right? had also mentioned Palm Springs. Palm Springs, which it's tough to put that in a comparison because it was direct to streaming and but the, didn't have the revenues. But the beats of the story, the beats of the story are the end same. Up following following that same path. I did like. I mean. In looking up this movie and stuff, that um, it shows up on top lists, not like like Good Housekeeping gives mm-hmm. 40, 40 rom coms. It's number one on the mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and it's not just that. It's like it shows up time and again in different places mm-hmm. as like the goat, the goat. Yeah, uh, oh. of of modern rom. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, I was reading this thing on how. Um, the movie subverts traditional tropes that you would associate with romantic movies or rom-coms. That it's got, um, instead of uh, instead of having um, people who are separated by distance or separated by time or separated by technology, that they're together the whole time and the only thing that separates them is their own neurotic selves. Yeah. So, and yeah, and their and, insistence and, that they're not together, and they don't have a meet cute at the beginning. They have a meet annoyance yeah, at the beginning. Right the like they they don't see each other from across the room, and they're like, "Oh, like you're the one." They meet each other, and they're like, "Oh, I know, I hate you for the rest of my life." Right, <laughs> and then like, and then like they like they don't rush into anything. They have to even develop into friends at first, and then they like. The, that it doesn't lead to sex, but sex happens in the middle, and then it ruins things. And it's immediately referred to as a pity sex. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, come on. Yeah, and 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 even to the end, where uh, as, as they're speaking together, kind of like the other couples were doing in the vignettes at the very end, that it doesn't end on happily ever after. Period. Nope. It ends mid sentence while they're talking. Yeah. Well, the story's not told yet. Yeah. So, yeah. like, so, it, like, it was kind of an interesting thing about how it, how, how the movie intentionally was subverting, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it went on to other things. But this was kind of an interesting little look into the movie. So, I thought that. Um, so, uh, let's do a little breakdown. Sure. How about acting and casting? Acting and casting. I thought it was phenomenal. I mean, really. Uh, we're just talking about the four main characters here. Yes, there was a couple other people that showed sure. up, but we're really talking about Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan and then Carrie Fisher and, and Bruno, Bruno Kirby. Kirby and how they relate. There are a couple of other little characters, but... They have great moments. 
for me, I thought it was great. I thought Meg Ryan is cast in this not pixie dream girl kind of a thing, but she is this oxymoron of a person who is both fragile and strong, who is both like ditzy and intelligent. She knows exactly she... what she wants and she has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> both. <laughs> At the same time, all the time. And it kind of had like, um, but she, she pulls it off. And although Billy Crystal is like visibly a little bit older in terms of like, they're not quite the college, same age in college and sure. same age later that I bought the relationship. Like I, I like it made sense. Like, at the end, when they got together, I was like, uh, why? Mm. Why would it, like, no. It, like, I was rooting for him at the end. Yeah, you're rooting for him, buddy. And uh, Carrie Fisher did a great job. This is like, oh. I think that this was, like, this was, uh, a, like, a an epic, not Star Wars role that she just kind of right. nailed. Yeah, you're, I agree. Um, and Bruno, Bruno Kirby is, is like he's he's a nice foil. As yeah. a, he's the he's a he's he's a little more background as a best friend uh, than than the others, but uh, than Carrie Fisher is for Meg Ryan, but mm-hmm. but a nice foil. He was kind of like the uh, exposition machine, so Billy Crystal yeah. could kind of like explain what was going on in his head and the off scenes. Sure, that yeah. makes sense. Um, I liked it. So, like, for you? I thought acting and casting was done very well. Um, I'm, I'm particularly fond of Carrie Fisher as a cast, uh, as a cast member in this particular movie. And um, I, I think they did a good job. You know, if I was going to give it a number, I'd give it a 4.6, four, 4.7. Four, okay. You know, not perfect. Um, I think there's some things that, that, for whatever reason, didn't completely hit it for me, but really, really good. Directing and editing. I think it was fantastic. I did. I mentioned that one scene where they were talking... In one spot, and then it... it the like, conversation never stopped? The conversation never stopped. And but they were all of a sudden in a restaurant. Stopped. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it went from one scene to the next where they were just in the middle of a conversation, giving the sense of, like, they've been talking nonstop the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was just a cool little kind of trick. I liked it. That they did. It was a neat little piece. And and I, for me, the story flowed. I liked it. It, it was quick dialogue and... and uh, it it was well paced, uh, moved along nicely. There was never a point where I felt pulled out of the movie by like it, it didn't like have a third act that kind of went off the wall or anything like that. Um, any 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 downsides for you on that? Nope, I thought no. that was great, and I thought the screenplay and story followed along just as well. Yeah, and you could really hear Rob Reiner's voice. Oh, absolutely. And and now knowing more about Nora Ephraim than I would have known when I first saw this movie, you can feel her her story her storytelling style. Yeah. In there. Yeah. Um, cinematography and locations. I, I mean, how do you go wrong shooting stuff in almost like Taxi Driver in upscale New York, like right? very little in the lo- in the lower ends of New York, all more upscale. Perhaps um, that's the conservative yeah. note that somebody else. That one of the other yeah, reviewers maybe. may have talked about because they didn't show any either real gritty side of New York. It was more the upscale but, but side. But definitely, uh, like Taxi Driver had like New, like Scorsese will have New York a, as a character. Yeah. This movie had New York as a, a as a character, and, like, and it's a it's a it's almost a, a trademark of Nora Ephraim. Yeah, yeah. To do that, um, and uh, I thought it was shot well. It was fun. Yep. It was fun to look at. Um, that they they played with space when they were in kind of like open museums and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, it had a nice look, and they they uh, I don't know. It had a timeless feel. Like sometimes I watch movies and I'm like, wow, this feels really old. Yeah, this but, one doesn't go forward well. I just watched, rewatched Porky's, by the way. Yeah, does not play forward. Like, just don't. If you have good memories of Porky's, don't go back and watch that movie. No, it, completely it gets very it. like bad it's, and rapey and too, gross. It's too, and... it's too. It's too racist and and yeah. early eighties Southern Florida yeah. off the track. No. So uh, one of the reasons that this movie has a timeless feel is also the score. 
And that's that's the thing. It took me a long time to realize that there were not multiple singers in this movie. Harry Connick Jr. sang every song, as far as I know, yeah. in the entire movie, and he did so well. And it wasn't just his uh, his crooner voice either. He at one point you thought it was some, um, you thought that the singer was uh, the guy that sang the Toy Story theme. Yeah, song. Randy Randy Newman. Randy Newman, and then it clicked. Oh no, that's still Harry Connick yeah. Jr. Yeah, yeah. the. Um, and uh, I loved the motif of it had to be you that showed up time mm-hmm. and again and like then highlighted. Sometimes just a piano player way in the background. Do, 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 do. Sometimes know, it was very subtle. And sometimes like it would be moments where there was a little rel- rev- revelation by Billy Crystal. Uh, and let's, and I'll just say this because it was written by Rob Reiner. That it was written much more from Billy Crystal's perspective than Nora Meg Ryan. Ryan. You know, or, yeah. yeah. Both of them, but Nora, yeah. Nora's yeah. story, but yeah. Yeah, Nora's yeah, they story. They were both involved, yes, definitely. But, but I, like... It, it the, felt it, more like it was written from Billy Crystal's perspective. I don't know, and maybe that's just because I'm a guy watching it. Maybe. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll, I'll own my biases. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the moments that in Had to Be You showed up, were kind of more tied with Billy Crystal. And I, maybe that's why I'm thinking that, is that when the motif was going, that it was often tied with kind of his revelation on mm, this This mm. is the one. Interesting. Um, special effects notables, it doesn't really have any special effects. Well, uh, no, other than you know, some of the games I play with cinematography. but, but um, It had improv. It did. There was at least two scenes I could think of that were fully improv. The, uh, the Pictionary game. Was fully improv. There was another one. I don't recall which one it was. No. I think it was actually Meg's uh, fake orgasm, but I don't remember that piece of trivia or not. But um, um, in X Factor, the X Factor in this case would be it being an OG, right? I mean, yeah. it's like it, it, it pulled everybody. It, it sort of it sort of corralled a whole modern version of the rom com in and said, "This is what makes a good one," right? And uh, I, I will just say that. While I was watching this at your house, yeah, uh, drinking my I, booze, drinking your booze, enjoying every moment, every of it, single moment that uh, that I did have to wipe a tear off the corner of my eye in the final scene when she was like, "I hate you, I hate you, I hate you," and then like, and then they kiss, and yeah. they're like, you know, "I love you," like, and it was like, oh, and I was like, I got tear, right I, I, I had a tear, I had a tear right, they got there, you, right off the right side. Right side of my right eye, right there, and I feel like that's part of the X factor, right? Because this movie, the movies, a rom com is supposed to make you feel, yeah. And it, and it did. I didn't sit there, hard, like it wasn't a, it wasn't a like, like and, and it was a comedy where I laughed at things, uh, not laughed in the sorority boys way, which is an uproarious laughter. Uh-huh. But this is more of like oh. Okay, that was that was clever, mm-hmm. um, but there were moments where there was a there was a laugh, uh, the, the 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 I'll have what she's having, uh, sure moment, but but as far as like, it had an emotional impact. So and that's what the movie's supposed to do. So it did its job, I guess. So it did its job. Uh, awards: four wins, seventeen nominations. It lost an Oscar for writing to Driving Miss Daisy. Well, yeah. So Driving Miss have. Daisy. Now, a little, some fun facts about the movie before we get on to the voting time here. All right. The orgasm scene was filmed at Cat's Deli, an actual restaurant in New York's East uh, Houston Street. The table at which the scene was filmed has a plaque on it that reads, Where Harry Met Sally. Hope you have what she had. <laughs> uh, for the, inf- uh, referring to the in- uh, infamous orgasm scene... The original script called for them to merely talk about a woman faking orgasm until Meg Ryan suggested that Sally actually fake an <laughs> orgasm at the table. Director Rob Reiner loved the idea and put it in the script. So that's what it was. It wasn't that it was. It wasn't that it was improv. Yeah. It was she was like, "Hey, you know what'd be good here?" And I, and Billy Crystal was the one who suggested 
Oh, we should end this by that lady saying, I'll have what she's she's having. That's great. Uh, These are, by the way, from IMDb. I I cherry-picked some of these things from from their list on trivia. Before deciding on the title when Harry met Sally, the screenwriter Nora Ephron, producer Andrew Scheinman, and director Rob Reiner considered just friends, playing melancholy baby, boy meets girl, blue moon, words of love, it had to be you, which would have been appropriate. Harry, this is Sally, and how they met. All right. And then, as we said, the win-loser-draw scene was completely improvised. Uh, Harry is shown reading Stephen King's Misery. The film adaptation would be the next movie directed by Rob Reiner. To help him capture the mood of a newly divorced single man, Billy Crystal would hole himself up in his hotel room in isolation, deliberately keeping himself away from the cast and crew. Let me tell you something. As a grown man married for 30, almost 35 years, uh, being alone is not something that I relish or enjoy anymore. And holding myself up in a hotel room away from my family and friends would put me exactly in the mood of a divorced or widowed man. And I cannot stand it. My wife is chuckling at me right now at me even referring to this, probably. I know. But, uh, yeah, no, I, nope, 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 not doing it. When I send you a little message, hey, how's it going? You're like, dark place. Dark place. <laughs> dark place. Dark place. Uh, Tom Hanks turned down the role of Harry and, as he thought the film was too lightweight, <laughs> <laughs> which he would then uh, recant on for the next seven hey, films. Can I do three more like that? <laughs> I'll have what he's having. having. Michael Keaton was also considered for the role. Bill Murray, Jeff Bridges, and Harrison Ford were also considered to play Harry before Billy Crystal was cast. Uh I'm glad they went with Billy Crystal. Uh, Yeah, and Billy Crystal, like I said, I I wasn't being critical of him. Uh, It it drew me out a little bit until I really just sort of dug into the movie, but I think he was cast properly. So voting time, we uh, at, at the recording time of this podcast, we know a couple of the votes that yeah. have already gone in for April, this. April, of course. April is a yes because she nominated this. Brad, being the good husband that he is, also said yes. Because I think for his own reasons, but but he's, for good reasons. He's we'll say for good reasons. Uh, Matthew Wade also said yes. As did Kyle Brown and Jeremy. If Kyle so, said no, I would wonder if he was having a bad day. Oh, yeah. Because this, this should be one of Kyle's, like, like right on there, right? Uh, you know, and I was re- I was reading uh, when, on that list from Good Housekeeping, that mm-hmm. also on the, the list of rom-coms out there was The Apartment, 1963, which uh, was nominated by Kyle Brown. So go. he has a, a place in his heart. He does, for the rom-coms. Rom-com, even, even though if it's a Billy Wilder 1960s version right there. So we have five yeses, yeses right now. And one no that we know of. Brandon, Brandon Falk has Falk. voted no. And then what we don't know is Adam, Rachel, and Nathan. And you. And then we also don't know me as the guest voter yet. The current Facebook poll, which this one is tighter than no. typical. Yeah. It's normally five to one. It is. Three to one. Uh, like Three to one it, anyway, it, yeah. Maybe five to one often. This one is it is seventy three to fifty nine, which is just like over like one point two to one kind of a yeah. But but yeses seventy three yeses. Yeah. So the Facebook poll currently is at a yes. So that would be six yeses. Uh, not it only needs one more yes if the Facebook mm-hmm. poll was to hold up. Mm-hmm. So which it looks like it's going to. So you know if Adam, Rachel, Nathan, or yourself were to mm-hmm. vote yes, this sucker goes in pantheon. Yeah. Forever. So uh, your vote doesn't count except for that of which is in the Facebook poll because you're not a guest voter this time. Uh, You were previously, right? I have been, yep. Uh, This season? No, you're next. Yes, no, this season. This season. This season, yeah. Yeah. Um, So your vote? I would vote yes. Not that that counts in the seven, but I would vote yes for this. You would vote yes for this? I would. Well, as you've heard me bagging on this movie oh you've just been repeatedly just been ruthlessly trashing it i have been every opportunity trashing this movie top to bottom left to right the entire time triple d what is your actual vote give it to us as a guest voter hold on this might be a moment that goes down in history where during the av companion podcast a movie makes it directly into pantheon that would be an interesting moment 
Yeah, well, for those of you who are listening, let me just tell you. Uh, well, we don't know for sure that the Facebook poll is going to stay the way it is, but yeah, likely we do. is. Um, this movie, if it's up to me, yeah, is Pantheon. It was up to you. This movie is Pantheon. My vote's going to be yes, which is going to give this the seven requisite votes to get in. It so will. this movie is Pantheon as of this the hearing of moment, this podcast. As of when our listeners listen to this moment in the podcast, they will know that it is Pantheon. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, I don't feel bad about it. Why would I, you? The, uh, Were I, you even on the fence? No. No. Uh, I'm kind of like in a 4.75 range. The, That's where uh, I am. There's... there's Tiny, little, itty-bitty things. Maybe like the age difference type yeah. of thing. Or, uh, I, I, I don't know. But, like... Um, the filter of seeing them play characters we've seen them both play many times. Or having seen rom-coms before. Or the fact that rom-com is not my necessarily my favorite genre. Yeah, if you were going to pick one, it wouldn't be this necessarily... I mean, like, I'm a... Action-adventure, sci-fi... Soft side of my Comedy. Heart. But, but um, yeah, no. This... This deserves its place on the top of lists when they talk about romantic comedy. And let me say, by the way, rom-com, uh, my wife mentioned this, rom-com has become the replacement for the not-so-nice reference to chick flick that used to be a thing. Uh, I don't know anybody who still says that term. I don't know why. I, but rom-com, it's actually, uh, it doesn't feel so harsh, but it also actually better envelopes the meaning of the movie, yeah, uh, and is a lot more inclusive if you're into that kind of thing. But the point is, uh, I like the fact that this whole genre is referred to as rom com. I, 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 it's yeah, it's a good thing. I like the proposal, for example. Uh, it's Not got, really a comedy. It's got it. The proposal. I'm oh late. no! Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the Notebook. No, Sorry. no, no, no. The or proposal. Silver Linings Playbook, no, no. Or, or any of those. It's a weird thing. Silver Linings Playbook is listed as a rom-com, but I don't think that it is. It's a little dark for me. Yeah. But no, The Proposal, my wife will, if it's on TV, she'll watch it. We don't, if I'm scrolling through the channels and it's there, I already know. I just press the button and we watch but, it. But there are other ones in, in the genre that I do, The Wedding like some, sure. The Wedding Singer. Sure. Uh, there's something about Mary. There you go. You know what? Ten things I hate about you. I love watching that movie, and even, it's a kids, a teen rom com, and I still like watching. Even it. like uh, Meet the Fockers, uh, uh, like some of these are more gross out. So I mean, yeah. I've got th- there's something about Mary. Wedding Crashers. There's uh, something about Mary. There's something about Mary. Mike and Mike and and, and Mike and Mary make a porno. <laughs> Zach and Mary make a porno. Zach, exactly. But Mike and someone else need wedding dates. That's another yeah, good one too. Yeah. The uh, oh the the Adam Sandler uh, Rob Sch- where Rob Schneider was a um, um, hot chick a rabbi to oh, marry, marry uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry I no. thought we were talking about hot chick where he becomes a girl the body have, the body swapper movie we have digressed there have we we have but <laughs> in gladly any case so gladly so um, any final comments thoughts about this before we close you know I threw them out there already uh, the, the, the the concept of rom-coms being being uh, a genre an actual named named genre that people just refer to uh, uh, on a regular basis and and the fact that when Harry met Sally you know it it does uh, it does cross a line now right where we've got a rom-com in Pantheon and I think mm-hmm. that's a good thing uh, but also I uh, I don't know that we have a Billy Crystal movie. I know we tried with The Princess Bride, which isn't exactly a Billy Crystal movie. He's in it. Um, but, uh, but you know, here we go. At the end of last season, mm-hmm. when we were chatting with Brad, after we were wrapping up and talking about uh, movies and things that I might like to see in there, and I don't know if it, that conversation ended up on Facebook or anything, but I was saying, like, I'd like to see something that... I didn't see before in these conversations and it mm-hmm. could be an old movie like an old old movie or it could mm-hmm. be uh it could be a foreign film that like i didn't see or it could be some kind of a, like we haven't done tons of musicals in right. in, in here um but I wasn't expecting this, but I'm very glad that April surprised me. me. Thank you, April. So thank you, April, and, and thank you to uh, Adventures in Videoland to allowing me to guest vote on this one. It is my privilege to do so. Um, 
So, as always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. I did. Where can Videoland find you? On Facebook. And you can find me on Facebook as well. You can find uh, Adventures in Videoland on Instagram or on adventuresinvideoland.com, and you get a lot of extra information there. But the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. So, you've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until uh, next time, uh, Video Landers. Oh, 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 oh. Are we going with that? No, we're not. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, God. Oh, yes. No, that's still. No, no. no. Okay. Nah, I, I don't even want what he's having, actually. That sounded painful. I'm glad he enjoyed it, though. How about this? And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. We, we love, love you. you.